0: Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are a twice weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show turned podcast too beautiful to live. My name is Mike Frizzell, also known as Jail Dude. And on Mondays, we give you a recap of the previous week's TVTL episodes. But this is our Friday show where we have on a guest to talk about their experiences with the show and also play their favorite segment in TVTL history. And of course, I can't do it all by myself here in Austin. So running the audio again in Everett, Washington is the <laughs> most perfect 10 in the world has ever known. The nice lady, Christy Wise. Hello, <laughs> C-Wise.
1: Hello, Mike.
0: Did you like that one? I did. Good, good. I'd I like to please you with the, you know, because usually later in the show, I'll steal your jokes and, and it turns ugly, but I like to start off on a nice note. Um, (laughs) our guest we have a guest who I'll introduce in a moment and let me tell you a little bit about the clip they chose it was it's a TBTL classic it was an instant classic the moment it happened and that was when Jen chose a boy a young hockey player over the love of her friends and felt a lot of shame about it Um, so we will get to that in a bit after we um, interview our guest and then I'll let you know how to get involved and We always have a little bit of housekeeping to do, but let me introduce the guest right now. Her name is Natalie Sinkler. Hello, Natalie.
2: Hi, Mike. Hi, Christy. Hi.
0: You're not allowed to say hi to Christy until I tell you. Okay. So, so, uh, Natalie, the first thing I want to talk about with you, uh, I was looking through the submissions uh, tonight because... I didn't have much information on you, and I like to know a little bit about the person before we have them on. And I wanted to read your submission, and I went, and it said that you wanted to enter the contest to win a T-shirt, which was something we put forth a a couple months ago. You know, we said uh, submit, and uh, we'll do a drawing and get a T-shirt. You can get a T-shirt, and you mentioned that you wanted to do the. the, That no, sorry, you mentioned that your favorite segment was the Bobcat Lady, which we did a little while back and you also said in that submission that you didn't want to be on the show so so what are we doing here
2: (laughs) i yeah i really wanted the (laughs) t-shirt and um (laughs) was really uh didn't think i had much to add to the show so but then when i got the email from christy i was like hey why not um I really have loved listening to you guys, and I figured it'd be really fun to to be on the show. So,
1: so
0: you <laughs> came back with a different. <laughs> you came back with a different segment.
2: Yeah,
1: that's a case of me not reading the complete submission. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, I thought Christy you were just isn't ignoring the most that detail oriented. No,
3: sorry.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here uh, because I love this segment uh, that we're going to talk about. But um, before I hand you over to Christy, I had uh, another question. I noticed that um one of your like in fact the only you only had like you only had like one interest and one like listed in, on your Facebook page and <laughs> the the interest was oh sorry the like was TBTL and the interest was the Minnesota Twins
2: Oh, So yeah.
0: what I was wondering is um are you in general a sports fan?
2: Um I would not call myself a sports fan. Okay. Um I love like You know, Twins games, they're outside, beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know, Minnesota summer. So um, I would not describe myself as a sports fan, but I do love baseball, I guess. So that would be the one sport that I do like watch and somewhat follow.
0: So you're enjoying the new beautiful stadium there in Minneapolis. So, um, yeah, so you're from Minneapolis and maybe not so much a sports fan. Were you aware at all was was StuBot? someone who was even on your radar before he appeared on the, in the TBTL sphere.
2: He was not. I, and I still don't know him personally, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but no, I have enjoyed hearing him on the show and talk about, you know, Twin Cities places and, you know, stuff that I, but I didn't know him before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So anyone out there, if you are a Minnesota sports fan of any kind, follow StuBot on Twitter uh, at Randballstubat. But um, the reason I asked also was because this is a clip that involves sports, so I thought maybe, maybe I'd found a, a sports fan. Christy likes uh, basketball, a little bit of football, but I'm always looking for more sports fans to banner with. But um, <laughs> let me let me hand you over to Christy, and uh, and I'll jump in whenever, and I'll get us to the clip when the time comes.
1: Great. Hello, Natalie. Welcome. Thanks, Christy. I promise I'll actually listen to your answers this time. <laughs> That's really funny. I I until Mike pointed it out, I didn't realize that. I'm so very sorry. Um is there a Minnesotans group active group that you're aware of?
2: Um not that I'm aware of. Um okay. I I think um I might be on in a Facebook group of Minnesotans, but Um, there's never really been an event that I know about and I haven't, you know, been an organizer or anything.
1: Um, that was just a side note. Sorry. (laughs) Um, what was your first episode of TBTL and how did you find out about it?
2: Um, I found out about TBTL, um, similar to a previous guest that you've had on. I was teaching English in South Korea and I needed something to listen to. I didn't speak the language and was living alone and couldn't watch TV and stuff. So I kind of was looking for podcasts and um, and found TBTL. Just I think on iTunes. And my first episode um, was in the fall of 2009, and it was the I think it was the day after that party where Luke had fallen and cut his nose on the (laughs) window frame or something Mm -hmm. um and I think just from there I was like whoa this is really interesting this guy talking about whatever is going on in his life and (laughs) pretty honest about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and so I I think I want to kind of keep listening and it was just kind of one thing after the next like then I think after that Jen was leaving on her um road trip and so I thought that was really interesting to follow her stories and so it just kind of became a regular thing and I've just been a you know regular listener since since I started
0: you guys I think there's a theme among people that pick up the show either during kind of a, a darker part of their life or a part of their life where they're away from um, away from friends family and even like others that, that speak English you hear it and and it's so personal that it's easy to fall into, like, feeling you have a personal relationship. You know, you're following their lives as if they're your friends because you really don't have any friends to talk to where you are or wherever you are in your life. And I think I think we've seen that with quite a few guests. The the one you're referring to, Natalie, was that Michael?
2: I think so. I couldn't remember his name for sure, but that yeah, sounds
0: right. he's a he's a um, he works in a prison now in Alaska. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, he was just, you know, desperate to hear people speak English and yeah. And and then you get hooked because yeah. the, cuz they're having they're having adventures, you know, back in your country and then you kind of put yourself back in there. I I think it's I think you get in deeper faster that way somehow.
2: Mhm. Yeah, that's absolutely how it was for me and it was just comforting to hear you know, people, friends talk to each other and hear some current events and, you know, what was going on back home. So that's absolutely what it was for me.
1: And did you ever learn to speak Korean? Uh,
2: not very much. I could, like, order food and I could say thank you and hello. But that was about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Which episode do you think turned you into a 10?
2: Um. I guess I don't think there was one specific episode unless it was the first one, because I really did listen every day since the first day that I started. Um, But I think it was just kind of this gradual like, oh, this is interesting. I kind of want to see where this goes or, you know. um, And so I don't think there was one specific episode unless it was, you know, Luke's fall and... Um, talking about a big night drinking that kind of (laughs) made me really interested in seeing where that goes.
0: Christy, were you at that party?
1: Oh, I was, I
0: was, that was Bush gardens or Bush gardens.
1: Yeah. 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 um, The funny part about that is Luke would do, this was when they did the, they were doing stick and he would um, have contests every day of, he would put together a playlist before the show started and it would be about 10 minutes of different songs. Mike, do you remember this? Yes. And they would all have a theme and uh-huh. the first person to write in and figure out what his theme was would win something. Yeah, it was fun. And yeah, so I won that he would buy me a drink at Bush Gardens and he made me drink a Jagerbomb. If any, do you guys know what this is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shot of Jaeger dropped
2: Flag into a red Black licorice
0: bullshit.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, um, so I drink that and it's not just drinking it. You have to like, you, um, shoot it you have to like drink it really fast and then he had me drink something else as a chaser he's like oh you need to have a chaser you can't just drink that what yeah. is
0: this caddy so- what is he what is he doing here?
1: <laughs> so my brother-in-law to this day blames me for luke um cutting his nose open because if he didn't have that jaeger bomb he would not have oh fallen. i'm sure he would have been, been very
0: responsible the rest of the evening
1: right <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> Um.
2: Okay. So,
1: have you ever been on TVTL or had anything read?
2: I have not. This is my first <laughs> any TVTL related wow. appearance. Although I did a couple weeks ago, they read my name as a sponsor. Oh, and there you go. So I guess, and I didn't even realize that I was giving at a level that <laughs> they would read my name at. So that did really <laughs> surprise me.
0: And he probably said Stinkler.
2: Uh, <laughs> he didn't. that it was the day that
1: Dua <laughs> was on. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: Now, um, were you so excited?
2: Yeah, it like totally Did your made heart my jump day. A little bit? Yeah, it was <laughs> like, "Wow, that's me." Oh
0: my gosh. I'm yeah, I was talking famous. with uh Lauren earlier and she got her name shouted out. I mean, we're probably way in the future at this, this point, week. but she she got her name shouted out and she was talking about how excited she was and and it is it is great. It's like uh it's like you know you have this this friendship, this imaginary friendship, but to hear them actually say your name, it's like, I don't know. Like the first time they talked about me
2: on the show, I was
1: like thrilled.
2: Yeah, it was, it was funny.
1: The guest we um, interviewed earlier this week, she said she was so excited and she didn't really know who to tell because None of her friends—they're all civilians—as I call them. So no one <laughs> understands what that actually means. Mm, <laughs> so she just can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, last question: Why does TBTL matter to you?
2: Um, I guess kind of what you know Mike was saying earlier. It's it, TBTL has just been this like constant kind of. Um, I don't want to say escape, but just like a way to like listen to friends talking to each other. Um, I really love just kind of the dynamic between who's ever been on, you know, Jen and, and now Andrew and Luke and, um, kind of hearing what their opinions are. And I just think they're so hilarious. So they make me laugh, you know, every day. And it's just something i look forward to. Um, and I, it does seem like there's just this really awesome community of people that do, um, you know, that are tens.
0: Well, the, um, the episode that you selected is from February 23rd, 2011. It was part of the TBT a thon and it's one where Luke and Jen shared major life regrets. And we're going to play the one that, that Jen talked about. Um, but if anyone wants to go listen to it, uh, Luke's story was about how he started to sneak into the line to get hot lunch at school. Uh, when he was in, at Daniel Bagley Elementary, somehow he can pronounce Daniel Bagley Elementary, but if it was Bagel Elementary, he Bagel. couldn't. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to manage it. I don't know how that works, but he says Daniel Bagley correctly. So he was at that school, and he was jealous of the kids that got hot lunch. So he's he after he got his milk, he would just stay in line and get a free hot lunch. And then eventually, I think he saw, if I'm remembering right, he saw like the lunch collection, like the milk money collection or something. And he stole some money out of it. And another, um, young refugee girl got blamed for it and was in tears. And Luke at the time had no, uh, sympathy or empathy. Um, but now regrets it. But the story that, that we're going to play for you is, uh, one of Jen's regrets, um, where she, she chased a boy instead of hanging with best friends so let's play that right now
4: all right so let's uh let's talk about this here uh tbtl uh our regrets are fascinating jen this was your idea for a show and um what what without actually getting i guess right into the story what inspired you to uh to suggest this as a, a way we could try to entertain people today on this wednesday
3: Um, I was inspired by uh, when we talked during the fascinating interview about shame spirals Mm. and that you and I both had them. And um, what happened was people started emailing me every day their, like, shame. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because so many of them were, to my mind, so minor like just not that big a deal, yeah, you know, but then I started thinking about the things that caused me so much shame and to go into these spirals, and I'm sure to other people they wouldn't seem like a big deal, like we're all so hard on ourselves, and so I thought, you know, I have a shame, a very big like one of the biggest regrets of my life, and I thought I should just tell that story and because I think people will get a huge kick out of it, and also probably, hopefully once I tell it, it won't be such a big deal,
4: yeah, that's right, take back its power, so yeah, all right well <laughs> um well listen we got we got a little uh. We got a little music for you, uh, a little, a little, um, a little storytelling music, and I guess I would just say, uh, fi- "Fire when ready."
3: Okay. So first, you need to know that in first grade, I met Cindy and Amy. I met them both in first grade, and we became best friends, and we are still friends to this day. They were both in my wedding; like we're lifelong friends. They're mm-hmm. the closest people in my life with my sister, and these are the people who are involved in this story. So, <laughs> when I was sixteen, I. For, some, for several reasons, but basically I fell in love with this junior hockey league team called the Seattle Thunderbirds. Right. And I mean in love, love, the way that you can only do when you're like a teenager. Like I went to every single home game and the games that were away, I listened on the radio and taped them on cassette tapes.
4: <laughs> oh my God.
3: And would re-listen to the play-by-plays. I was in love. And I think a lot of it is that junior hockey, they're like between 16 and 20. And so they were genuinely, you know, they were my age.
4: And also, didn't they, uh, they would be um, billeted, if you will. They would stay with families Yes. uh, when they were in the Northwest. And so it seemed like they were famous athletes, but who might actually be staying with someone from your school kind of thing.
3: Exactly. And the tickets were like $12 and that was on the glass. And so we always sat on the glass. And so so I was also a minor shame, just just to step out of this shame for a moment, mm-hmm. is that I was kind of running a credit card scam on my dad because <laughs> he gave me a credit card for emergencies. And so, what I was doing was, I was buying my ticket and then, like, my friends' tickets, whoever I was going to the game with, I was buying them all on my dad's credit card, and then they would pay me in cash. And then I was using that cash to fuel, like, all the fancy clothes and hair stuff that I was buying to try to catch the attention of a Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. And I figured I can't my dad figure out would,
4: why you and your dad aren't closer these days.
3: <laughs> I figured that. Maybe that, my that you dad, stole his money. <laughs> Wouldn't figure it out until the end of the season, which was true. <laughs> he did figure it out, but the season was over by then. Yeah. Um, so that's a minor shame is that I was running this scam. And um, <laughs> so specifically, I fell in love with this player named Dean Ewan. And he was the captain of the team. And he was very much uh, a producer type. I mean, he, I, I very much related to him. I liked the way he captained the team. Like if something would... If there was a, a bad hit or a bad cross check or whatever, he would notice it. And I would see him kind of signal the defenseman very subtly. And then like 10 minutes later, that player would get knocked over. Mm, like he so was he had, kind a, of he had a sense of ice. justice, you yes, felt. Very much so. I really thought that he was the one for mm, me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, so my sister was really into the goalie, Danny Lorenz. And my friend Cindy was really into Glenn Goodall, who was actually kind of the star. And they actually retired his jersey. It still hangs, I think, at Key Arena. And so I love when he
4: hosted Northwest Backroads. (laughs) Oh, that was Grant Goodeve. Always mixing him and Glenn Goodall up.
3: So I really wanted to meet Dean Ewan because I really felt this connection to him, watching the way he captained this team. I felt like, you know, that's the way that I am a captain in all these areas of my life. And we would really hit it off, and he would fall in love with me. And it would be one of those great stories, like the... Ken and Melissa Griffey story where, you know, he came to this town, just a farm boy from Canada and fell in love with this girl who was like city girl. And, you know, I, I really had it all planned out. Ken like
4: Griffey mind. Jr. was from Canada? <laughs>
3: no, no. But, you know, how, you know, the story about how he saw Melissa, that he was like at um, polyester or whatever, and he saw her and he asked her out and she said, I have to run in the morning. You've heard the story, right? No, but we'll, well Junior, let's, Junior I was going to say, Yeah. <laughs> So Junior asked her out, and she said, I have to run in the morning. And he said, where are you running? And she said, whatever. And he said, I'll meet you there. And he actually was there in the morning and ran with her, and they fell in love. And this is what I was hoping to have happen in, yeah. some, in some way.
4: So so, um, so how did you think that you were going to actually get to spend any time with, uh, with this guy? When well, you guys were her... separated, quite literally, by a sheet of glass. <laughs> right.
3: So first of all, I dressed up great. I mean, I ratted my hair as high as I could get it. Lots of Aquanet. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I bought fancy stuff with my dad's money yeah. and looked really good. And then I would go after the game and I would wait for the players to come out. And I was quickly, I, after a few times of doing this, I realized that Dean was just kind of lumping me in with the other girls. Yeah. I wasn't standing out enough. Yeah. So this is when I came up with this idea and I called the front office of the Thunderbirds and I pretended to be this lady, Peggy Kellogg who was (laughs) a teacher at our our school. Our
4: Voscap teacher?
3: Yep, yep. (laughs) So I called the front office and I pretended to be her, which is really funny because I have kind of a deep voice and she has a very high squeaky voice, but, you know, they don't know her. They're not going to know. So I called and I said, I'm the head of the journalism department at this local high school and we have this student and she really wants to do an article about the Thunderbirds. And And so we were thinking maybe it would be cool if she could interview the team captain. What's his name? (laughs) <laughs> Dean Ewan. Yeah, Dean Ewan. That would be great. She would like to interview him. So they, so they, got, they took it down, all the information, and um, said, yeah, that, that probably can work out. You know, I, we don't know if we can get Dean, but, well, that's okay. I mean, you know, somebody else, but, you know, we'd really like, it's really about the captaincy. And, mm-hmm. okay, well, we'll get back to you. So the day that they called and said, let's do an interview... Happened to be the day that my two best friends and my sister were throwing me my 17th birthday party at Spaghetti Factory. Now, the thing that is great about Spaghetti Factory for people who maybe don't live in the area or don't have a Spaghetti Factory when you're in high school is that you get everything for your money, for your $7. You get hot bread, Mm. you get a pop, you get a salad, you get your spaghetti, and you get a dish of spumoni at the end.
4: It should be really called... It should be called Fantasy Factory.
3: Because <laughs> they are
4: manufacturing <laughs> more than just spaghetti.
3: Right. It's amazing. It went, it's amazing when you're a kid. It's an amazing when you're in high school. Yeah. It's not as amazing now. But at the time, it was a big deal, and they were throwing me this birthday party. So I, I'm getting ready to go to my birthday party, and I get this call that I can do this interview, and I'm like, okay, so in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to tell them because I don't want them to steal... Dean from me (laughs) (laughs) because somehow in my mind I'm thinking you know we're all pretty girls but he might want like one of them better and
4: right and so so I don't want to tell them right so so this is a real this is a real issue though a real problem right because you because normally what you could just say is you guys thank you so much for trying to throw me this birthday but really let's all go meet this hockey player because I'm so excited but because you had you had uh, deceit in your heart. Yep. Now you, had, you, you couldn't tell them about it, so now you were kind of stuck.
3: Right. So we're supposed to be there, so it's supposed to be at Spaghetti Factory at six. And so I say I can be to the interview at 7.30. It's in Edmonds. And I'm thinking, it's only going to take an hour at Spaghetti Factory. And then I can just get in my car and jet to Edmonds. And nobody will be the wiser. And we will fall in love. And they'll all understand once we're in love. And sure. And it'll be exciting. And I can help them meet Danny and Glenn. And you know what I mean? Like, it'll be yeah. great for everybody once I'm solidified with Dean.
4: Right. You just got to get that handled. And then everything else right. will take care of itself. Sure.
3: So I... Uh, Picked out an outfit that I thought would be really great for my first date with Dean. I wasn't even thinking about like the interview or because I wasn't a journalism student. I wasn't a writer. I didn't know anything about any of that. So I wasn't, it was to me, it was a date. And so I put on my, I had these black and white checked slacks, kind of large checks.
4: I think I remember (laughs) those pants from our high school days.
3: And then I had these really, really shiny, like black patent leather pointy flats so that was my shoes and then I wore a sleeveless mock turtleneck that was white tucked into my slacks so so I go to so I have not told I, I haven't told anybody about what's really going on except for for some reason I decide to tell Amy's little sister Shelley like I take her into my confidence and tell her this I'm going to go meet the love of my life and this is so exciting and she's so excited for me and I tell her this whole story
4: well I mean cuz another thing too is that Shelley is, has always been a very. She lives in London. She's very cosmopolitan, right? Isn't she the one that lives in London, or is that the other one? No, that's Amy. Oh, okay. yeah. She, yeah. I shouldn't have told Shelly.
3: No, I, have I was told thinking
4: because Amy, or, the one, the Amy one, she seemed wise beyond her years. See, that's the yes. one I would have told. But you were probably worried that you, she, she was, was going to steal one. him.
3: Absolutely, I was. Yeah,
4: and that was. And, you know, those fears were justified.
3: <laughs> so. What I had forgotten, and it's so crazy because I'd been to Spaghetti Factory a million times in my life, what I forgot is you sit around in the lobby forever waiting for a table. It's not like you just waltz in and get seated because it's packed all the time. So I got there at 6 and pretty soon at 6.15 and 6.30 and I'm just dying. So we don't even get seated until 6.40.
4: What time are you supposed to be interviewing, by which I mean making out with the hockey player? <laughs> 7.30. Oh, man.
3: From downtown to Edmond. So, you know, in the best of circumstances, 30 minutes. So,
4: Your friends must have been like, why are you so tense? And I
3: was so tense and nervous and freaking out and like not paying attention to them and just thinking about how my life's about to change and how I've got to get out of this freaking spaghetti factory. And they're all like, you look so nice and you're so dressed up. And are you wearing eye makeup? Yes, I am. I am very (laughs) dressed up and I look very nice. I've got to get out of here.
4: Except that you did have a fedora on that said press, (laughs) had a little card, (laughs) which was, you know, an odd touch.
3: So I, so my plan didn't work. I mean, it was, it was seven o'clock and I basically did the thing that you never do, which is I left before the Spumoni. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden at seven o'clock, I stood up and I said, I am so sorry, you guys. And this has been so great. And thank you so much for throwing. And there's like literally 10 people there.
2: And I stood up and said,
3: I'm so sorry, you guys. I just, I have another appointment and I just have to go. And I'm really sorry. And I just thought we'd be done by now. And thank you so much. I love you, love you, love you all. And I just raced out of the restaurant. Like I didn't even wait for any reaction at all.
4: Do you remember even a sort of a like a parting glance of the looks on everyone's face as you basically got up in the middle of dinner that they were throwing in your for, honor yeah, yeah and yeah. paying for?
3: Yeah, um, totally. I remember it vividly. I mean, just complete confusion and such disappointment because I could tell they had really gone all out to make my 17th, like, super special. Mm-hmm. I mean, just I could just see the disappointment and, all, like, and confusion and what is going on? I mean, they haven't even brought out the Spumoni, you know? so you should have
4: blamed it on diarrhea (laughs) because nobody's gonna like if you if you come up with something that's so much more embarrassing than anything you could think of then no one will doubt the excuse because they're like no one would lie about diarrhea (laughs) that's true i I didn't know that at the time this has been great guys but i am very close to shitting my pants and so (laughs) i am going to take my leave of this event thank you
3: well, in the whole I have an appointment. I mean it made yeah. no sense. Seventeen we're
4: years all, old, you have an appointment. Kids. At seven o'clock at night, seven thirty at night. Okay, my so my
3: sister's at the table, like looking at me like they're all they all know me. They know every single thing about what I do every day. They know yeah. they're they know I don't have an appointment. You live at,
4: together at Tarkington Square.
3: Yeah. I mean there's no appointment. Right. So I get in my car and at this point I don't even care about them. This is the worst part. I don't even care. Like that's that's for another day. We've been best friends since we're six years old. It'll be sorted out. Right now, I'm I'm going to see Dean, and this is I'm shaking. I'm super excited. I'm super nervous. And I get there, and it's just like a regular split-level house in Edmonds or whatever. You know, like you said, they just put them up with local families. Now let me ask, can I
4: ask this? Did you have like a a notepad? Did you in any way remember to even nominally pretend that this was an an interview? <laughs>
3: No, this is the other bad part of the problem. I had completely forgotten that that was even the ruse. Yeah. Like, I had, in my mind, I was going on a date. I was dressed for a date. I had my little purse. I was, you know, I had my emergency money. I was ready for my date. Stolen
4: from your dad's credit <laughs> yeah, card. Sure. Exactly. Or...
3: So, <laughs> I, um, I did not have, I didn't even have a pen. I mean, I didn't have a piece of paper. I didn't have any recording device whatsoever at all. So I got to the house. I went up. I knocked on the door, and the door answers, and it's this guy, Tom Sprague, who, like, never even comes off the bench, like a total <gasps> nobody on the team. And I said, hi, I'm, I'm from the um, Jesus Creek, and, and I'm here to interview Dean you, And he's like, no, you're here to interview me. Oh. And <laughs> And I said, oh, I thought I was interviewing And He goes, no, I mean, they just said, you know, can anybody do this interview tonight? And nobody else could but me. Everybody else had dates.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I heard they were going to Spaghetti Factory.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just standing there, and he's standing there. He's like, so where do you want to do the interview? And so then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to do an interview. So I said, oh, I mean, I guess in the living room. So we went in, and we sat down, and... (laughs) I'm not a reporter. I'm not in journalism class. I have no idea what to do. And so I literally said things like, what's it like knowing Dean Ewan? (laughs) So he talked about that for a minute. And I said, so as a captain, like, what's that like? Do you know where he is tonight? Like, I just literally asked him probably 15 questions about Dean Ewan that he barely answered. He was a mumbler. And, you know, he knew something was wrong, but he couldn't figure out what it was. And I just wanted to get out of there and so I just mumbled along and he was like do you have a pen do you need to write this down I'm like I have a really good memory I'm sweating and all and so then of course so I get out of there I leave oh oh he did ask me out though he did say do you want to go get some ice cream I'm like no
4: he said what you're dressed for a date (laughs) wearing your your black checked pants
3: (laughs) I'm like, no, I don't want to go out. I want to meet Dean Ewan. I was so upset. I will go
4: out. I will go out if you take me to the undisclosed location where Dean Ewan and Osama (laughs) bin Laden are hiding. He was like, Osama bin who? You're like, it'll make sense in 20 years.
3: (laughs) So I leave and I drive home. So, of course, once I get in my car and I'm driving home, it's all the consequences. It's all hitting me now. And what a horrible mistake I've made.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And I get home, and I go in my room, and in my room, there's a letter on my bed.
4: From Dean Ewan.
3: Nope. Nope. Signed by Amy, Cindy, and my sister. And next to the letter is my pile of presents that I hadn't even stayed to open. And next to that is the little cake that they made that I never even saw. And basically, when I left, and they were all like, what the hell, Shelly? crazily i mean shockingly broke my confidence told them the whole story and they were first of all so and this was all expressed in the letter they were so hurt that i would leave that party first secondly they couldn't believe that I wouldn't have told them that I was going to meet a Thunderbird because this was this thing that we all did together, that all of them would have been excited. We all, they, would have been, they were like, we would have been so excited for you to get to meet Dean Ewan. We would have been so excited to be a part of that. And the fact that you would lie and not tell us that's what you're doing because you didn't trust us and you wanted to keep it all to yourself and be selfish. It was so <gasps> awful.
4: So how long did it take them to get over this, you think?
3: Uh probably three months of just I mean it's like they forgave me I mean I called them all and apologized the next day and was like you know I'll do anything and I'm so sorry and I feel so stupid and so foolish and you know they were like okay it's fine but you know things weren't okay like we didn't hang out together a lot and it was always a little awkward and we never talked about I mean if hockey came up in any way you know we would just like start talking about other things and turn the channel and you know like the hockey was ruined was that the
4: end of your like obsession with the Thunderbirds phase Did you still go to the games like by yourself?
3: No, it was it, it just ruined everything. I mean, I still loved Dean. I sure. still love him to this day. Of
4: course How could you not sadly
3: sadly when you Google him? Yeah, it's all videos of him starting like one says Dean you and almost starts a riot
4: Well, one, he, it's you all know, fights. He, he moved on from the uh, Thunderbirds uh, to uh, the Springfield Indians of the AHL Uh, He played for the Capital (laughs) District Islanders, the San Diego Gulls of the IHL. I'm sure you heard. Uh, And then apparently wrapped uh, his career up in uh, 1999 with the Colorado Golden Kings of the WCHL.
3: So he he had quite a storied career. Where he scored uh,
4: 24 points and zero goals.
3: Oh. Well, I did put up a video on our blog of him doing something that had only ever been done one other time and it got him thrown out of the ihl which was that he left the penalty box during a game he was in the penalty box he left it went into the box of the opposing team and started a huge fight (laughs) so i might have dodged a bullet
4: so would you say that you really what do you regret the most about this whole unfortunate event
3: That I can never take it back, that I can never take, you know, that they did this really lovely, wonderful thing for me that should have been this great night. You know what I mean? Like it should have been like the thing that we still talk about when we get together all the time. And instead it's this really awful thing i did that was just so it was just such a crap thing to do and it was such a mean girls kind of thing to do it was such a thing that is so like i think i've spent the rest of my life trying to not be that girl because i'm so ashamed of that girl and the decision she made and the reasons that i made those decisions was so selfish and wanting to like hoard dean to myself or the other or or (laughs) that word without
4: that word without the d (laughs) to yourself (laughs) with him something you know um, what
3: I mean? It's like it was this thing that could have been great that they yeah. were going to give me, and I just ruined it. And I can't ever make it a better thing.
4: I think that's the worst part about regrets, right? Is that you, if your if your brain is oriented like like ours is, you can't you you sort of can because we don't have a time machine. It just is always going to be that way. It's going to be the way that it happened, and there's not going to be any changing. And you could apologize a lot, and you know you're good friends with all these people, and you're very nice to them now, but. There's nothing you can do that will that will make it so you didn't pull that super jerk move.
3: Exactly.
4: Well, let me uh, ask you this: Do you feel in any way, uh, you know, a, a sense of relief? A sense I do. I feel a little
3: bit. I feel a little bit lighter. You know, like I kind of got that burden off my shoulders because that, it, the fact is, that's the girl that I was. I did that thing, so I kind of feel better that I owned it.
4: Well, uh, Jen, I have to say that if. If the rest of your life has been a, an attempt to not be that person, you have accomplished it uh in a spectacular fashion. Like if you needed you. to be a kind of a big jerk face one night at the Spaghetti Factory to some of those ladies so that you could be the very conscientious person you are now. Uh I think it was, you know, it was good. It was formative and and maybe it had to happen.
3: That's probably true, but oh, I've lost <laughs> many a night over that. <laughs>
0: All right, well, her friends sound so sweet. I mean yeah this this story is heartbreaking because those those kids I mean, they planned something for her. This wasn't just they were hanging out and she broke away. She broke away before really they had you know brought out the 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 gifts and the card, and you know, I'm sure they were gonna sing and all that, but she ate her spaghetti and her garlic bread and then she bolted out the door and that was so sad to me but what I want to start with because I have women here what was with that <laughs> outfit can can you describe the the outfit i mean because when she starts talking about it i kind of get lost because i don't know anything about women's clothes but what what was she wearing
2: well i loved the description of her outfit because I had the exact same outfit. I remember, um, she, the, I had a pair of black and white checkered, large checkered pants. And then she describes a sleeveless, like turtleneck, I think, tucked into the pants, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is just like even worse than the the, the outfit I had. But I, had a, I would wear a white T-shirt tucked into pants and a black vest over it. So I was just like, I love that description of her outfit.
1: I would wear that now. Is it like a blossom look if you put like a,
2: like
1: a I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or Debbie, Debbie Gibson, Gibson or Tiffany. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: Debbie Gibson, right. Yeah.
2: Kind of so, tapered at the bottom and
0: yeah. Okay. And was that was that what you wore now. when you wanted to look especially cute or was that an everyday your everyday uniform?
2: Well, I remember thinking I looked really really good, really fashionable in mm-hmm. it. So, <laughs> I don't I was I was a little bit younger when I wore that though. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think at that time I was trying to impress like no. boys, but right. um but I just remember thinking like I look really fashionable in this combination of checkered pants and black and white. <laughs> And do you know what year that was? I want to say maybe 94. Oh, or like okay. early 90s?
0: Did you have a similar getup, Christy?
1: Well, I actually have black and white checker pants that I wear to work all the time.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. They're back in style, I think. Yeah, sleeveless
0: really turtleneck. Just, yeah, the whole thing?
2: Oh, no. Well, but not <laughs> that. <laughs> the pants. No.
1: <laughs> no sleeveless for me. Um yeah. just the just the pants. Um I definitely would have wore any of that, and probably had a Debbie Gibson type hat. I was really into hats. Mm-hmm. I've well, sent you some pictures of me in the nineties. Oh
0: I, yeah, yeah, yeah! They're great. They're <laughs> fantastic.
1: I had tiny braids that were different colors. Your cuteness hats. over overcomes oh. it,
0: though. You know, <laughs> you you were uh, able to, to tra- transcend the uh, horrible, horrible fashion that you were sporting. <laughs> But uh, let me say, let me talk about the hockey part of this for a minute. Um, I grew up in Seattle, and before the Thunderbirds, there was a team called the Breakers, and it was always it was um, they were amateurs, and they were mostly Canadian kids that would come and they would stay with families, usually families that um, that had hockey players of their own. I had a friend, uh, Frank Pinnell, who was a, a hockey player, and they always had a player billeted. During the season. And you know, as a junior high, high school kid uh in the Seattle area, um, I had a little bit of jealousy because the girls really wanted to get with these guys, and for good reason. I mean, they were they were athletic guys, they were good looking guys, and what am I? I'm just some schlub that goes to your high school. So
1: And accents. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: nice, usually nice. But here's the thing the guy that she chose Wow, did she dodge a bullet by not getting together with that guy? <laughs> yeah. He is a monster.
1: Wait, was he Canadian too for sure? Um, I think he was because some were be would be US based as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Back then, um, there weren't as many players coming out of the US, but uh but boy, uh there are some videos online of him just beating the holy crap out of people. And he, him being in a penalty box and then rushing into the other penalty box and beating up the guy who he just got a penalty for beating up. Um, <laughs> this is not a guy you want to date. No. He's awful this good is looking, like, though.
1: Jen definitely dodged a bullet, as Luke said. Um And this reminds me of someone who probably dated Ryan Leaf in high school.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> Right and and now you know has a nice husband and three kids and just
1: oh. right. <laughs> um, um, but the, I have a question. I I know sure. you want to talk about the hockey. I want to talk about the spaghetti. So sure, um, Natalie, have you been to Spaghetti Factory?
2: Yes, that was something I loved hearing about because we would go all the time in high school as well. I loved yeah because it was so cheap. Yeah, it was great. Yeah.
1: And I love when she said. I did something no one ever does. I left before the Spumoni.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and then in it her case. It's like a cardinal sin. It was not only the Spumoni, but it was everything they they had planned. The
2: presents. And a and tiny <laughs> birthday cake. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: my God. Those probably was misshapen. <laughs> sure. That, you know, when teenage girls try to try to make cake and it's all sure. uneven. and. <laughs> oh. And in
0: this story, she also reveals that she was stealing from her father. Um,
1: yeah,
0: I mean, there's a lot of shame. To go. There are no, no winners. There's a in this lot of story. unpacking to
1: do. No. <laughs> there,
0: there are no winners in the story, <laughs> and she would uh, she would use the money to go to games and stuff, and and I I used to go to those games. Like this was happening. Um, what what she was describing, I think, was happening when I was in college or just out of college. Um, so I'm familiar with these players. I was familiar. I I went to a lot of these games. And just a side story, my my best friend John Hedegaard, one day we one night we were at one of those games and we were, you know, completely hammered and we were sitting behind the goal. And at the old Seattle Arena, there were like two or three rows behind the goal, and then there was a walkway, and then there was, you know, like five or six rows until it went to the upper deck. And we were sitting in those five or six rows, so there was a walkway in front of us. And if you're a Seattle sports fan of any age, uh, past like 30, you probably know or have seen uh, Bill the Beer Man, who was this uh, big-bellied, uh, bearded guy who sold beer. And he would he would run around uh, – well, actually, you know, he would sell beer for a long time, and then there's a cutoff point. And he would run around sell beer saying, uh, freeze your teeth, give your tongue a sleigh ride, cold beer here. He was a character, <laughs> and everyone loved Bill the Beer Man. And then after – uh, after the the beer cutoff time he would put down his stuff and he'd start trying to lead cheers and i'm no fan of manufactured uh enthusiasm like the wave and and the when the scoreboard mm. says everybody clap your hands clap your i don't like that i don't want it i mean i want to cheer when there's something to cheer about so and and my friend Hedegard <laughs> is even worse and he was also you know always drunker than me so Bill, the beer man has set down his beer stuff and it's time for him to lead cheers. And he's behind the goal and in front of us leading cheers. And I'm biting my tongue, but my friend Hedegaard is telling him to, to sit down, go away, shut up, leave us alone. You know, he won't leave the guy alone. And uh, eventually like one of the security guards comes in and, and it, they're taking John's, uh, complaint seriously and they move him lot. they move Bill the Beer Man out to the aisleway or back to the beer uh whatever the the I don't know the vending room. They move him out. And so uh ten minutes later the game's over and we're walking out and we're walking up the ramp to to get out and Bill the Beer Man starts coming after Hedegaard. He wants to fight. Um fortunately some people grabbed Bill the Beerman, I grabbed Hedegaard, but they got within a few <laughs> feet of each other. So my my friend John Hedegaard, I think I think Bill the Beerman could have beat him up. John wasn't much of a fighter, but you couldn't tell him that in that drunken state. So um, I, I thought for once I'd tell a story that wasn't a prison story, but one that could have landed my friend John
1: <laughs> in King County Jail. Had, had you weren't had, the uh, bad guy in that one,
0: cooler heads not intervened. Right, right. 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 I hated right. Bill de Peer <laughs> Man as much as anybody, but uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter, so I didn't, uh, I didn't tear him down. So, um, I thought that this story actually really dovetailed well with Luke's story because Luke Luke's story that he told after this. You know, I mentioned that it was about him stealing money and letting someone else take the blame. When you're at a certain age or you're in a certain state of mind, uh, you just don't care about other people. You're just trying to get through the world however you can get through it. Um, and, you know, that's why I, I think he, he shouldn't feel as bad about what happened. And, and Jen shouldn't feel that bad about what happened because there were different people then. You know, I I try not to hang on to guilt for all the horrible things I've done because I couldn't live another (laughs) day if if I, you know, felt guilt over every bad thing I did. And it was a fun show and I'm glad they got those things off their chest. But I think everybody, this should be a lesson to everybody. You got to let this stuff go. Just be a better person today and be a better person tomorrow. And that's enough.
1: Well, don't you think that kind of saying it out loud also helps that maybe her purging that story after so long. She kind of even had a shaky voice while she was telling it. Mm -hmm. Remembering. Um, Do you guys have any uh, regretful or weird things you did for crushes?
2: Oh, gosh. Nothing I can think of.
0: Uh, Mike? Well, I used to... um, If I got a crush on anyone, it didn't matter if they had a boyfriend and it didn't matter if that boyfriend was my best friend or whatever. I was just going to get what I was going to get. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, regrets there, but, um, I don't feel like I broke up any, anything that was going to last forever. So.
1: It was no Jen and Dean forever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jen, Jen would probably be dead if she had married that guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I became full on stalker mode. I think all teenage girls kind of have that. mm -hmm. And of course, it was before Facebook. Now it's kind of, you can just stalk everyone all the time. Um, but I would, you know, have my dad drive by his house all the time. I would walk home, even though I got a bus. So I lived far enough away from school that I could take a bus, but I would walk on purpose so I could walk by his house. This is the the most embarrassing. His name was Chris. Chris. Come on, give us the last name. Chris Magana. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to look. Okay, look at him. What's really weird is he kind of looks like Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he does. Um, Yeah. But he Um, probably wears a shirt. But the most embarrassing thing I ever did, there's a lot that I did, but the most embarrassing was probably to steal one of his socks after football practice like his muddy dirty sweaty socks and i put it in a ziploc bag and i kept it in my bedroom oh my god wow it's really embarrassing that i admitted that
0: oh christy you know you know i gotta ask the follow-up question christy i have okay. to ask it did you ever okay. smell it
1: no what did you're do not weird it? right I, I put it in a Ziploc baggie, and I right. just kept it in my room.
0: But you never like popped like it open little... for a little...
1: No. No, it would have <laughs> just smelled like mud. It was a muddy... I, I like, full-on had a box of memorabilia from him. I mean, I had all my little um, girlfriends all stealing stuff from him. Um, I became the TA of his math class. I may have um changed his grades a couple of times. That's regretful too, I guess. <laughs> um and uh, I would just take things like if he had uh stapled something, I would keep the staple. It it was full on stock. Oh remote. my gosh. Wow. <laughs> See
0: that makes less sense than the sock thing. At least there's some organic, you know, element to him having sweated into something. It's a staple. Mm-hmm. Come on.
1: Yeah and I I somehow got one of his hats. At one oh, point. Yeah. He was a Detroit Lions fan. So I had his uh-huh. hat. Sounds hot. I don't know if someone stole that. How did I get that?
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's, I guess I that's not ask you good guys. to steal a kid's hat. I, my hats were really important to no. me when I was in high school. Don't yeah. steal my hat. Well,
1: and I will admit I did smell the hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll miss it, that. Yeah. yeah. Salty, sweaty. Maybe wear it sometimes.
2: Mm,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe late at night.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so did you end up with him or anything or did all no, this yeah. Oh. No, that's never... the weird
1: part is we never actually spoke. Oh god. <laughs> he knew I Never liked spoke. Him. No, because he was really shy and um so we would kind I would call him on the phone, but we wouldn't really talk. Oh
0: no. I'm getting really embarrassed. <laughs> wow. wow.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, just admitting all this, I would my best friend would call him and ask questions and I'd I'd be on the phone and and like writing down as if I was keeping notes like, oh, he used Crest toothpaste or, oh you know, stuff God. I just knew way too much stuff. <laughs>
0: well, and I
1: probably I mean, he was younger than me and I probably so is Jeremy. This is a pattern. Him. I know I probably could have dated him if I actually just went up and said, hey, Chris, what's up? Let's well, date.
0: Yeah, it probably would have been, been your first and only date. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of interviewing, that is the funniest part of this whole thing is that she forgot yeah. the whole ruse.
1: <laughs> she yeah. wasn't, and that's so ungen. Yes, right. She came up with a fake name to call the call the. Thunderbirds Mm -hmm. and had this whole setup like, oh, but no one will know that Peggy has a high voice and this whole thing. And then she didn't bring pen and paper.
0: Well, again, I'm going to say what I said during the Emily episode where they talked about um, Casper and what was her name? Bethany. Um, (laughs) Yes. Going to the open house. It wasn't a bad idea. You know, I mean, the execution was horrible because she didn't leave herself enough time and the birthday thing. And then they passed her off to someone else. So it didn't work out. But had she been prepared with a pad and paper and had Dean answered the door, there was a chance things could have worked out. I mean, he probably would have knocked her across the room after she said something to him, you know, out of line or whatever. (laughs) But but there was a real chance it could have worked out. Her planning was not terrible up to the point where. Um, She agreed to go to the spaghetti factory and, and yeah, everyone knows you sit in the lobby there for 45 minutes.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. She planned out a lot, but then forgot the little details, (laughs) Right. which is not I mean, maybe that's what was, it was a big regret of what, how she acted, but she also never forgot the little details after that. I think that that became an important lesson.
0: Natalie, what made this one stick in your mind? Because you you want to do the Bobcat Lady and we we already did that, but what made you yeah. think of this one?
2: Um, I think I really identified with. I mean, not necessarily the what you would do for a crush, but like just how she talks about she loved him, Dean. Uh, like only teenagers can love someone, so I can identify with that. Um, just in like a like a celebrity, like a boy band that I loved, and just right. I I can see myself doing the exact same mm-hmm. thing if I had had the opportunity as a teenager what that boy someone, bands? I was obsessed with O-Town. I don't know if you guys know O-Town. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah. And I know I just, O-Town. Yeah. I loved them. I would have probably done the exact same thing to my friends if I'd had the chance to interview one of them. I mean, I could just, mm-hmm. and then I could see myself being, feeling so horrible about what I'd done. But, um, so I just, I just could really relate on both sides that just like, you don't think about anything else. You have to just, this is the one chance that you can be with this person. But then, you know, realizing how you'd really hurt the people that are you really care about.
0: Well, they, if I remember right, those the kids that were on those hockey teams were like between 16 and 20. Did they mention, did Jen mention at all during that clip how old Dean was?
2: Um, I don't I think, think so. I don't like, remember.
0: like I, I'm not sure if he was he was still in high school or he was he was just playing hockey. But it just it made me think of when I was in high school. There, there were you know, like when you're when you're like a freshman or sophomore in high school, the the seniors and juniors are are picking off the cute girls in your class, and you're just very mm-hmm. resentful of it. And then you get to be a junior and a senior, and you realize that like college guys or just guys with jobs or picking off the junior and senior girls and you're resentful of it. And then you graduate, and you go to college or you go get a job or something and you realize, oh, those guys are losers. I don't want to, I don't want to no know <laughs> high school girls. So I, I don't know. I've been, I've been looking for a chance to vent about that for a long, long time. Cause I feel like I got the short end of that on, on both ends because you know they, the older guys were always raiding the girls, and then when I got to be in their shoes, I was like, "I'm not going back there." So I feel like yeah, I got I'm not limited. a creep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I am now a creep, obviously, I, but
1: I think that you probably got enough your fill of girls being a frat boy. Nah, not enough. And being enough. into sports. Quit never. saying I was a frat boy. People don't like that. So. Oh, I also wanted to talk about her friendship with um, Cindy. So that's her longtime best friend. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that she has the famous, they had a fight over a John Voight movie, which is called Table for Five, if you ever want to watch it. Um, I've never heard of that. Mm-mm. So she's never said the actual name of the movie. So what it is, is they watched it when they were about, I think she said 10 or 12. And then they fought over how the movie ended. And one took one side and one took the other, and it was so bad that Cindy got sent home from Jen's house, and they didn't speak for maybe weeks. Jesus. And then they still, to this day, won't talk about that movie.
0: Um. Yeah, I'm look. I'm looking at it. JP Tannen takes his three children for a vacation cruise. They usually live with their mother and stepfather, but now JP feels capable of taking them. Emotional tragedy strikes. Causing battle, causing causing battles, parent against parent and parent against child. JP tries to show his children that he loves them. So there's really nothing there about the resolution. So, what, so they're arguing about how it ended or how they imagine it ended yeah. after the movie ended.
1: No, how how it ended. Um, so I asked That's easily solvable at the Mariners game. <laughs> Just watched the movie. <laughs> I asked. <laughs> well, no, they saw it. They watched it together. I have like VHS of it. Uh-huh. And fought about, um, because Jen basically said, JP is a terrible person. And Cindy said, well, I understand where he's coming from.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or vice versa. I don't remember who, who was on whose side. So at the Mariners game, I asked Jen what the name of the movie was that she had fought about. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, So I watched it. I somehow got it and I don't even remember if I streamed it or found it, but I watched it and then my first TVTL call takers, I called in and said how I felt about the movie, whose side I was on.
0: Did Jen hang up on you or did you side with Jen? No,
1: I was on Jen's side. Oh, of course
0: you were. I I ended up being on (laughs) Jen's side. No,
1: I didn't know whose side was whose. I said, this is, (laughs) I need to weigh in and I told, and I said- how I felt about it and then um, she just happened to say, oh, yeah, that's how I felt too. And I was like, we're right. I actually said the dad was a douche. <laughs> 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 and it was radio days and then I felt weird because I didn't know if they, we were allowed to say that on the mm. radio.
0: Yeah, I think they said Yeah, everyone should
1: try to get a hold of that. Try to get a hold of that movie and see where you stand.
0: It wasn't rated very poorly on IMDb. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'd never heard of it. Table for five, 1983, 6.2 rating on IMDb. The little kid looks like a weirdo though. Yeah. Anyway.
1: But it's one of those movies where you just know that he was typecast and that and that he was a terrible father. I mean, we already know that now.
0: Oh, right. But you can
1: just tell that he was. I can tell I mean, from what the, was the champ?
0: from the sport jacket he wears on the cover of the, of the VHS. I can tell he's a terrible person.
1: Well, and he was in the champ and he basically played the same character in that too.
0: Yeah. Terrible father. And then, and then ultimately abandons his kid by getting killed in the boxing ring. Right. Yeah. Horrible guy. Um, (laughs) Natalie, you have anything else about the clip you want to get off your chest?
2: Um, no, I just, I think, well, I guess, yes. Um, I think overall, just going off of why, you know, why I really like this is um, just kind of Jen's, um, I think it really shows Jen's how intentional she is. And I really, um, you know, loved hearing that when she was on the show regularly and um, just how she really tried in everything, you know, she felt so much, you know, shame about this thing that happened so long ago and, um, and she's tried to change her, you know, life around and prove that that's not who she is. And I just thought Mm -hmm. that was a really cool story to share. And, um, you know, a a thing I really liked about Jen.
0: And just to defend Jen in this situation too. I mean, this was a guy that she watched play hockey all the time and he was big, rough, tough guy and really good Mm -hmm. looking. So Who would so dreamy. Yeah. Who wouldn't fall for him? I mean Oh,
1: I would have done it in a second. If I if I had the chance to meet one of the new kids on the block, no matter who it was, same you know, same as O Town, right? Yeah. I would not have told my friends, I would have left my birthday because what if they thought that they were cute and I ruined my chance. I mean, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like they still have free will of choosing. I mean, of course I would want them to choose me, but you know, if all of my friends get to come, there's more choices.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and guys his age are, you know, they'll just pick the one they like the best, not the one who worked the hardest. So,
1: but I just love that she, um, that happened. And as a teenage girl, she was so apologetic and learned her lessons and, um, really took, that's not usually teenage girls are like, uh, Fuck it, sorry, Aiden. And yeah. you should, you know, give me my presents, and I don't care how your feelings are. But she learned right away and changed mm-hmm. her behaviors. Mm-hmm. So I just and she I stopped
0: love it. stealing her dad's money and going to the games, which mm-hmm. was a bonus for her dad, right? For sure, <laughs> right. Um, Natalie. I have one more question for you, and there's only there's only one answer that won't break my heart, and. <laughs> I, I'm Uh-oh. aware that there's a band called O Town, but please don't tell me they're from Orlando.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh, they, were, they are. They, what are. A they were created name. in Orlando. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: That is so bad. The only thing I hate worse is when people refer to their towns by their airport codes. Like people say they live in the ATX. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, mm. what a douche. The ATL, the ATX.
2: It's well, they were they were created on the show making the band, and that was filmed, <laughs> I think, in Orlando. Hmm. So they were, yeah.
0: Well, they were probably the best thing ever to come out of Orlando, and that's not saying anything. So I don't know. I don't, I don't <laughs> know their <laughs> no, music. No, because
1: there's in sync. oh, they came, came out of, out of Orlando. Orlando too. Yeah, it was just during that time of the boy bands that yeah. that was like the. They all came from Disney. They would perform oh. with a Mickey Mouse Club or. Right. at the parks yeah. and they would get fi- found by these um predator manager <laughs> sure. type people yeah. well
0: god bless them do what you have to do to get out of orlando that's what i said
1: <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right uh christy um let's talk about the archiving project just in general okay. we haven't like pitched it to people for a while what's your what's your pitch
1: My pitch is it's really fun to do. Um, We've gotten a lot of positive feedback of people that have been doing it, hearing episodes they've never heard before or their favorites. Um, It's made people write in to the show and wanting to come on Mm -hmm. to talk about those episodes or um, post on the Stens page about the episode and and put links up. So it's kind of reinvigorating the show, uh, which is nice. And I get messages complete, from people too
0: christy. I mean they they'll say, yeah. "Hey, I just ran across this, you know, and they're having a good time so
1: mhm, once it's complete, it will be amazing, and I can't wait for that day, but mm-hmm. it's going to be a while and so we need we definitely need people to um come and start helping with it because it is it is a long process it's not just you have to be actively listening. A lot of people take notes either on their computer or handwritten notes right. as they're listening.
0: Kind of the way we but listen because more, we have to do the recaps. Right, So exactly. But so we have to do that every day. Only, more, you only have to do that just for a week of archiving.
1: Right, right. And um, it, it'll be so great because you'll be able to go in and say, what was it, I mean, for this instant, what what was it that when they talked about... Um, the hockey. You can just do a word search for hockey and it will mm-hmm. pull up every time this episode's been played. Yeah. Um, or they've talked about hockey. I mean, I've already started to use it for these shows. Mm-hmm. Been able to go in and see or even drops if you want to know when when uh Did You Poop started, mm-hmm. that will be in there. It, That's it'll great. all be in there. Um yeah, so I'm really excited for that.
0: Did you um Oh, how do people how do people get involved on the archive thing? Is there a button on our page?
1: No, there should be, though. I mean, you can contact us. Okay. Um, people have used our contact us to, the same way you can get on the show okay. and just said, I want to be on it. So that's a way you can email the LRB, uh, what is it? A uh, little red bandwagon at gmail.com.
0: All right. And what um what else can people do to support us if they're if they uh can't uh archive or or feel that they're not qualified to archive? Is there another way to help us out?
1: Yes, you can buy stickers and that's definitely on our page. On the mm-hmm. first page, buy merch.
0: I worked the really hard on really those stickers, awesome. people. They're really good. <laughs> I I work the... tirelessly on the stickers and it means a lot to me if uh if people would buy the stickers because this stuff ain't free. Um, what we're doing is not free. Unfortunately, you know, you think everything on the internet is free, but, uh, hosting costs and, uh, you know, we're not trying to get rich. I'm not even trying to make a dime. I just want to make sure that Jeremy and Christy and Bobby don't have to reach into their pockets for anything. So, um,
1: yeah. buy some stickers. The, um, yeah. And the, I'll tell you a little bit about them. The Little Red Bandwagon is a vinyl sticker. So that's pretty much a one stick it once and you're done type thing, but it's really cool, good quality, um, great design, and the ten sticker is meant for windows or glass. Um, but and I did a lot of beta. I put it on my car, drove around in the Seattle rain for a long time, hasn't mm-hmm. come off. Um, it's right where my windshield wiper goes and the back windshield wiper, so it hasn't come off. Um, and then I've also. Have take it, put one on our microwave, taken it off, put it on my laptop and done that several times. And it's restuck every time and not been a problem. Most of the
0: stickers that, uh, our recap co-host, uh, Eminem, Meredith Mahan stuck to her pets are still attached (laughs) to her pets too. So that's the quality we're dealing with. (laughs) So no matter how much they lick and try to get it off, they can't get it off.
1: Yeah. And, um, make sure to show us where you, where you stuck it? Where'd I stick it? That's what <laughs> I wanted the hashtag to be. Um, But yeah. Don't so ever Google that. Though.
0: Don't ever Google no. <laughs> that. <clears throat> that and gangrene penis. Do not ever Google yeah, those no. things. I am telling Andy you. Andy Haynes, shirtless. Yeah. <laughs> you won't be able to get it out of your mind. So, how to get involved? Uh, uh Everything is there. Facebook, you could go to the Stens page. We're very active. We usually have the pinned post, which is whatever the latest episode is. Or you go to our page, which is a lot more fun, a lot fewer uh, Trump references, a lot fewer uh, cats in taco outfits. Um, Personal Twitters, at Drew McFrizz, at Kissy Eyes, K-I-S-S-I-E-Y-E-S, at RL Pape, at Dadstronaut, that is Jeremy, and at Meredith underscore Mayhan, Natalie, are you on Twitter? And do you want to throw that out if you are?
2: Um, I don't tweet. I just follow people. So okay. I'm on Facebook, but <laughs> you, <laughs> not you, very active. <laughs> you're,
0: are you like Meredith? You'll you'll uh, accept all friend requests, or are you more?
2: absolutely okay? Good. Yep. Good. From tens, I will. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you can be a creep as long as you're a ten, and then you're in. <laughs> um, <laughs> and believe me, we've had some of those. Uh, yes. <laughs> show Twitter at LRB podcast. That's, uh, that's, I think Christy is, is doing some tweeting from there now because I get teased more often. Jeremy knows mm-hmm. better because I'll fire back at him, but, um, I'm riding the uh,
1: bus now. So I have two hours of boredom, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Two hours in which to, to, uh, point out my shortcomings. Um, yes. email us at little at gmail.com. I would love to get some emails to read. We haven't had one in a while. Voicemail is 802-432-TBTL, 802-432-8285. Christy, do you check that?
1: Um, yeah, I get an email every time.
0: Oh, you do? Something okay, comes Okay, when in. you get something. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Natalie, thank you. You've been a delight.
2: Thank you, you guys. It was so fun to be yeah. here.
0: Uh, she was nervous. Thanks for
2: letting us re-listen.
0: Before we started, but I think, uh, I think we did okay with her. I think we were gentle. Yeah. Um, Christy, I don't have anything else, so, uh, you can, uh, wrap it up if you like.
1: Okay. Until next time, this is the next party.
0: And we forgive you,
2: Jen. Nailed it.